morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Thursday, September the 9th, and we study and pray the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles with Psalm 9. This psalm is known as a psalm of praise. All 20 verses point us to the praise because of our Lord's mighty deliverance and ask a plea for the Lord to continue to deliver his people. So let's get praying, saints. The gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's always a joy to be here. Pastor, uh, so what's going on for you in the work of the saints at Faith and Bethesda? Well, we, we still um, offer divine service to our Lord in which uh, the, the saints of God can be gathered around the means of grace and receive those many gifts that he gives in uh, word and sacrament, which is the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So we're also sharing that with the world in, in, in as much as we're able. Yeah, so Pastor, what else is going on in St. Louis? I mean, you you and I have talked. We've had dinner together in St. Louis. I love St. Louis. So give is there any updates on what's going on in St. Louis? Well, um, at least the weather is somewhat uh, cooler down here. It's been, you know, it's uh, we had uh, cold, cooler weather last night. Uh, it was 63, but it feels cooler than it had for months. Uh, just as some sad things is just all of the uh, children who are killed by uh, random gunfire. It, it's kind of sad, and and uh, the you know of course there is the uh, pandemic that uh, has the count the. Uh, uh, County of St. Louis uh, reimposed the mask mandate and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, always there's a need for prayer among God's people. Absolutely. And that's a reminder, once again, to our you, our listeners, is to pray as we see violence um, in our world. And this is, I would say, relates very well to our psalm because there are times that we need to take a step back to recount wonderful deeds while at the same time, Ask the Lord to be gracious because we are still surrounded by sin and death and the, and, and the power of the devil. So, Pastor, you know, on that note, I think this would be good for you to pray for those affected by violence in St. Louis and obviously the effects of COVID when it comes to school. Is that something you can include in your prayer as we begin our time? Certainly. I'd, I'd be honored. Thank you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you sit enthroned on the praises of your people. You are enthroned forever as the Lord of might and, and uh, grace and mercy. We ask your blessing upon us in this morning hour as we open your word and, and we seek to be guided by your truth. We pray that your uh, heavenly wings may protect the young and the innocent from um, some of the deadly force that's uh, around us with the um, discharge of firearms and, and the violence. Uh, we pray that there might be peace and order in our land and in our city. 
We pray that you might restrain the terrible pestilence, the pandemic, uh, that it might uh, there might be ways in which it might be contained and that you might defend the people uh, who are uh, uh, stricken by it. And now guide us as we sing praises to you, because as uh, Nehemiah has said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we uh, sing praises to you and we give thanks to you in all circumstances in our lives. For this is your gracious will in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions for us as we study and pray Psalm 9, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, as I've been doing with the Psalms, we have taken each book that we've gotten completed with and then take a step back to make sure that we are in prayer because it's so easy to not pray. At the same time, just a reminder to you, our listeners, that we just finished the book of Hebrews, which is a great blessing. And now we'll go back because in many ways, Hebrews connects to Leviticus, which will be our next study. And on Monday is when Dr. John Kleinig will be on, and he's just going to give us the broad strokes of Leviticus, which for me is a time of prayer, too, because I don't know, I haven't done a lot of Bible studies on Leviticus, Pastor have you done many Bible studies in your churches throughout your ministry on Leviticus? Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I blush to say that I've never uh, done a study on Leviticus, although uh, I, I sort of am assisting a congregation in our circuit that has uh, studied Leviticus, and uh, they went through it. And uh, it, it's it's a, a very powerful and, and a blessed book, even though sometimes you get bogged down with uh, some um, the the details that are in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So so we pray for our Lord's blessing there. And like I said, today we are um, getting deep into prayer when it comes to Psalm nine. So here's what I'm going to do is I'll read the whole psalm, and I want you, our listeners, and pastor for you and for me to see this as a time of prayer, that uh, what God has given to us, uh, we say back, and his Holy Spirit guides us because, of course, it is his word, and we will see Christ as we pray. So let us uh, pray. Psalm 9, I will pray, and we join together. A Psalm of David. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you've had maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord, who sits enthroned in Zion. 
Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises. And the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their foot, own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Now, Pastor, as we look at Psalm 9, what, what, how do you want to introduce this, this psalm of praise? And that's one of the definitions I saw it as, is a psalm of praise. How would you introduce this psalm to start us off on the right foot? Well, I wonder if we want to maybe mention some of the, the fact that it, it for the Hebrews, as they would read the psalm in Hebrew, it is a, an alphabetical psalm. Or an acrostic psalm, and so it's like a, a it's it's a, a it's poetry, or it's a, you know, and obviously it's a hymn of praise. Uh, you know, there were nine psalms that were alphabetical, and David, of course, wrote uh, four of them, and this, of course, is one of them. Uh, you can you know you could even include the the next uh, psalm, Psalm ten, but in in this particular case, uh, you you can kind of pick out some of the the um, events in the life of David that, that are sort of, uh, you know, pictured here or spoken of, you know, where he talks about Zion, uh, which is, of course, Jerusalem, uh, which he uh, uh, conquered uh, with, you know, with uh, his army, and um, also uh, the, the strongholds and that God is enthroned, you know, the, the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant to uh, Zion during mm-hmm. uh, his kingdom, and and uh, that's kind of like where they, they speak about uh, God being enthroned upon the cherubim of the Ark of the Covenant, uh, or enthroned uh, in the praises of His people. So, I mean, this is this is kind of like a, a psalm to be sung, you know, as in thanksgiving to God for uh, His deliverance, uh, and also for it, it is also a psalm which which brings uh, which expresses our our confidence in our Lord that He is there for us. And it's interesting because there is a transition. If you were to separate this, of course, there's many different ways of how people could separate this psalm. I noticed this is one, the verses 1 through 12 could see seen as a praise to the Lord for mighty deliverance. And then a plea, 13 through 20, to continue to give this deliverance. And I was thinking about that, Pastor. First of all, I want to hear your thoughts on that separation. But two, if that is true, um, why is this important for us to thank God for, like it says, recount all the wonderful deeds and at the same time pray that he continues to do wonderful deeds in my life? Any thoughts? 
Yeah, it, it, this is this is quite important because there are um, interpreters, you know, of Scripture who who think that uh, it, it's not the same psalm because at first it's it's just uh, a uh, recounting of God's. Uh, deliverance, you know, and, and, and his praise, and then the second, and then bringing in, and then, then you kind of have uh, the uh, the dark side being brought in about uh, the, the need for protection against the enemies. Um, the, uh, the, 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 I think a lot of times when people live their lives, you know, maybe they might uh, think, you know, less, especially if they're going through difficult times, that God has not really been there for them. And, and uh, you know, some people really are devastated, like, you know, being faithful Christians. Uh, I know particularly uh, a uh, person who lost a spouse, uh, and that, that was just devastating for that particular individual. Um, you know, but a lot of times it, we have to count our blessings. You know, like that song, uh, when I can't sleep, then I should count my blessings instead <laughs> of sheep. Uh, you know, it, it, in a sense, it's kind of like the people of God are are, are recounting uh, their blessings from God so that they remember. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a good thing to do that. And then and then we are reminded of God's uh, love, mercy, his faithfulness that he is there for us. Um, you know, and, and even as, the, you know, as one of the Psalms puts it, that no evil will befall us, uh, will happen to us. Uh, you know, even death itself is not evil if it's something that God permits to occur, uh, be, and, it, and, and, and it brings us to him for, for me to die, to live as Christ, to die is gain. So, so it's very, very important for the Christian to recount what God, how God has blessed us. Maybe He hasn't given us anything uh, in a in a positive manner, but maybe He's averted uh, danger or destruction from us. I remember one time as a as a, a young a young man with my dad, where I was, he was driving me to uh, college in Milwaukee. And uh, we turned, we, we uh, got onto one highway and the cars were all stopped. But dad, dad was, and I are both lead foots. And, uh, we, <laughs> we could have plowed right into the back end of somebody. By the, by the grace of God, the lane on the right was open. So dad quickly switched lanes and, 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 and averted uh, our death. You know, God... Uh, uh, protects us in so many ways, and so a lot of times when we've been, we we seem, oh boy, that's a quite a scrape that I got through, and that's that's where we give praise to God that He protects us. Mm. And that reference you made to count your blessings instead of sheep, it, it brings to my mind something I encourage you, our listeners, to to listen to is on that's from the movie White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney. And I remember this because I've seen that movie a number of times, and that was such a powerful song. And also, um, you had the Aaron Bodie band, and she would sing that when I would listen to some of her records, not records, but CDs and so forth. So that song is very near and dear to my heart because it really is a wonderful song and connects and it relates to what you're talking about here in this psalm that we need to make sure we're counting our blessings, especially before we go to bed, so we may rest knowing our Lord will take care of us. Pastor, anything else you want to share in, in uh, Psalm 9? Uh, it's just a, a very powerful, powerful uh, song of praise. 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of, of uh, Paul and Silas in Philippi in the jail uh, after they'd been beaten. There, here it is, uh, 12 midnight, and they're singing praises to God. Mm. The prisoners mm-hmm. heard them. And, and uh, you know, probably it was by their singing of praise that the jailer of Philippi, uh, you know, said, uh, you know, what must I do to be saved? You know, I mean, uh, it, 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 yeah. the, the praise of God is, is so powerful for God's saints. You know, so so always uh, turn to him in in prayer and praise when you are joyful, but also when you are in the midst of affliction and and and, and you are in fear. You know, uh, sing praises to God. Well, let's do that right now. We'll start with verses one and two to praise the Lord as our Lord gives us these words. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I'll be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Well, I mean, this is a pretty simple uh, uh, reality, and it's important for us to say these same words that David is saying. And how would you highlight these first two verses? Well, it, it, it's like uh, when 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 th- good things come my way, then I, I give give all credit to the Lord, and and uh, that that it. You know, in a, in a sense, uh, because he is he is the one who has given me himself uh, for salvation, and um, uh, you know his great deeds, of course, would be like the deeds of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, how he how he um, uh, went to the cross and 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 bled and died. You know, it's like you, usually when you read words like this, you think about some you know fantastic uh, miracles or or um, signs and wonders. But maybe it's it's just uh, the um, humbleness of our Lord Jesus to uh, be be um, crucified for us. And, and that, of course, is the greatest deed of all for salvation. Um, and and it, it's just it's so poetic as you as you read this. I, I, you know, it's wonderful. The different um, music, which is uh, this is set to music at, at many times where, um, you know, the just the it makes you feel like you're in the throne room of heaven uh, as you hear these praises that are given to God. And I, I love how the language comes out in English where it says, I will give thanks, I will recount, I will be glad, I will sing praise. And it reminds me of, it's almost it's a prayer, obviously, that sometimes I have to say that prayer like when I'm going home and say, I will do what I need to do as a father tonight. Or when you drive into church, I will Make sure that I'm faithful to the word of God. And it's not trying to build up within ourselves. It really is a prayer saying, I will do this. And it's a prayer saying, and Lord, help me. And we need to have the Lord help us give thanks because it can be difficult. So, Pastor, why is it important for us to uh, pray, Lord, help me to be thankful? Because uh, why is that so hard for us to be thankful? Because as we are both saint and sinner, we have a, a sinful nature within us. Um, you know, it's like like throwing a wet blanket on on um, uh, on on basically the wonderful things God has done. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I remember sometimes, uh, you know, as in growing up, where we would be coming back from church and and maybe maybe. Um, 
my sister and I might argue about something and, and my dad would remind us, we, we've just been in church. My goodness. <laughs> you know, why do you have to be so, so negative about things? Uh, you know, in a, in a sense, when we are, are a feel down in the dumps and when we feel um, angry about our lot in life, that's when we need, we t- should turn to the Lord and think of him. And, and, and as you said, it's so powerful to, to, by, by the grace of God, to make an assertion um, you know, uh, an acclamation, uh, I will do what is good, and I will do what I need to do, especially also when you get tired, too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you have yeah. the sinful nature that's always there that's, that's working against uh, your new nature in, in, your, uh, in your life as Christians. And so here it's a very clear, I will give thanks, and he, we know why. We should give thanks, but just to make sure that we're on the same page, he shows us why we can give thanks. For David, he's going through the list of, of I'm going to do this, and here's why. So three and four. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. So, Pastor, why why can he give thanks and recount these wonderful deeds? What does he highlight in these verses? Well, um, you know, it's I'm reminded we're reminded of when uh, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, the um, uh, the the mob that came to arrest him. Or, well, it was maybe just a cohort or whatever it was. Uh, they he he says, "Who are you looking for?" And they said, "Jesus of Nazareth." And he said, "I am." And they all felt they all. Uh, uh, you know, turn, step back, and and fell to the ground. Um, it greater is He who is with us than He who is in the world. John says in his epistle, or even as um, who was it, Elijah or Elisha? I think it was Elijah, where where he tells his. Uh, well, I, I I'm. It's probably Elisha, where he mm-hmm. tells his servant Gehazi. You know. Um, that, uh, you know, may the Lord open his eyes so that he can see. And they, he saw surrounding the armies of uh, Damascus, uh, the unseen armies of angels that surrounded them. Uh, you know, it, it's like, you know, when people want to um, uh, pick a fight with, with uh, God's people, uh, they're, they're also getting, getting themselves into more than they bargained for. Absolutely. And so it proves here that the Lord has kept the enemies at bay. Um, he has shown that the work that David wanted to do, as it says, my just cause, that he has made sure that he would bless it and, and that he sat on the throne and giving righteous judgment. And that's what our Lord is. So he goes in from, okay, this is what he does. And then he shows who he is. He's the one that sits, and he's going to talk more about this later, that he's a God who is the king and also gives righteous judgment. I mean, everyone gives judgment. All, quote, gods, um, small g, give judgment, but he's the one who gives righteous judgment. So I love the the way it shows how God has worked and also confesses who God is. Other thoughts you have on these uh, for, uh, three and four? Uh, and and um, in, in a sense, as, as it says, there's the it mentions the wicked. One of the things to to mention about the word uh, wicked in Hebrew, uh, there's there's ra and there's rasha, 
And uh, the, when it, it speaks about God creates weal and woe or good and bad, uh, the, it, the word rise you. So it could mean calamity. It doesn't never means, uh, you know, sin or wickedness. But there's rasha which is mentioned in this psalm, which is uh, a wickedness which is not, God does not create, uh, but it is, it is the uh, wickedness of the evil one it is, it, and, and those who uh, commit sin and are uh, enemies of God. So, so it's interesting how, how even the language uh, behind our translation uh, really supports the understanding of, of who the wicked are. And, and of course, as you as you rightly said, he is a God of righteousness, not only the righteousness where he uh, makes people accountable for their sins, but also the righteousness he gives us in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, an, an alien righteousness, uh, the righteousness of faith. So let's continue on to verses five and six with just a few more minutes until our break. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. Now, Pastor, the more the more I've studied this, and I would say now being in ministry for 15 years, this is a little bit easier on my ears to hear about how he's basically given thanks that the wicked perished especially in light of Jesus's words, you know, pray for your enemies and those who persecute you and that kind of language he uses. But it, 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 it's still difficult to hear for most of us when we hear that because you're kind of celebrating that people have perished. How would we reconcile that as Christians with about a minute before our break? Well, I mean, uh, with, with the hope that they would turn, but uh, when people decide to align themselves with the devil, uh, you know that they're 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 enemies of the good. They're 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 evil. Um, fortunately, um, uh, hell is not prepared for people. Although people go there, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, but um, it is only heaven that is prepared for people. And so, in, in a in a sense, you, you have the idea here that God will protect His people. And 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 you have in order to keep love and order in the world, you have to. Um, sometimes there has to be force that is applied. And that's where we say, in grief, but also trust, Lord. Have mercy on me, a sinner, so that I stay with him. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying and praying Psalm 9 with Pastor David Boyce-Claire, and we'll be right back. our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. 
Listen to KFUO wherever your day takes you. Download the KFUO radio iOS or Android app to your mobile device. You can listen to our 24-7 live stream, find all of our podcasts, browse our program schedule, or record a comment to send directly to KFUO. Just search for KFUO radio in your favorite app store. KFUO Radio, Christ for you, anytime and anywhere. This week on Lamplighter Theater. I will hunt you down. I will organize an army to find you and kill you, Julius! What? What is it? Isabel? What was in the newspaper? Fourteen enemies of the state executed. The Baron Jacques Delon. Don't miss the next Lamplighter Theater here on this station. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. And welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 9 with Pastor David Boisclair. And we are just starting to scratch the surface of this wonderful hymn. And it's a good reminder for us to do something like the movie White Christmas. Count your blessings. And I encourage our listeners that if you haven't seen that movie, watch that movie and you're able to hear that wonderful song, Count Your Blessings Instead of Sheep. And part of this is the misnomer of the reality of sin and the devil. And in our sinful flesh, because how easy it is for us to fall away from the Lord doesn't mean the Lord ever leaves us. And we hear more about God's grace throughout the rest of this, where we hear of the reality to this point of that people do fall away, that there are enemies of the Lord, that there are issues that surround us on brokenness and temptations. But our Lord is the one who is faithful to the very end. So, Pastor, uh, from verses one through six, anything else you want to highlight before we move on? Well, in, in uh, five and six, which we read just before the break, uh, it 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 basically uh, it, it, the uh, psalmist says the in verse six the enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. You know, it's it's uh, as you uh, go through the Holy Land. Of course, you're, you as an archaeologist, you you look at the the tells. These are these mounds of of uh, you know which were cities at one time, but they of course are turned to rubble. Uh, and there were, and there are many times where there might have been cities which uh, continued to stay in ruins. And so, the idea here is that uh, it's a reminder of uh, who these um, enemies of God were fighting against. Uh, that He is able to, um, you know, they become an amazing thing to others that might think of tangling with God's people. Uh, that they will end up the same way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. So we keep moving forward as we hear more about the Lord. And that's what I love about these Psalms is that you have some moments where it's confessing one thing, you're not really sure where it's going, and it pulls us right back to what the Lord and his grace does for us. So read 7 and 8. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. So th- this tells us more about who God is. And what does this tell us about the Lord? Well, it, it obviously says that he's eternal, uh, that he uh, that he has created the world, um, that, uh, you know, I, I like how Isaiah, in Isaiah's prophecy, where, where he quotes God as saying, 
you know, there's no other God. I know of no other. You know, God would know if there's another God besides himself. And he says, there's, there is no other. I can, I can give you my word on that. And uh, <laughs> in, in this particular situation is especially in, during the difficulties as we see in the world. Everything seems to be uh, falling apart all around us, even in our own nation. Uh, you know the disaster in Afghanistan, the the um, uh, just the many many th- uh, the overturning of law and order in our nation. You know we wonder who's in charge. Uh, well, ultimately, um, the the Christian believes that behind it all and unseen to all in the world that God sits enthroned forever. You know he is he is in charge of this. And, and so we place our faith in him that he will uh, set a limit to the evil and to the uh, ruin and the chaos, and that he will also use it for the good of, of his, his people, his church. And I like how it, it emphasizes, because we can be, be so, it's, it's easy for us to say, okay, the Lord reigns on high, but how does he reign? How is he enthroned that he's a God of justice, righteousness? and uprightness. Why is it important that we know that we have a God who is just, right, and upright in how he treats us and how he treats the world? Why is that important? Well, we're surrounded by, by all this injustice, and we're the, the, the uh, innocent, and we're the poor, uh, are oppressed by the evil and by by the by those that are that are powerful and, and that that align themselves with the devil, and and it's important for us to to uh, that give us hope uh, that that there that that we are uh, uh, taken care of by a God who is is over all. You know, I think one of the one of the most uh, beautiful. Uh, things about Christmas hymns. Uh, Luther, uh, in, in his one his Christmas hymn, um, we praise O Christ, your holy name, uh, where where he says, um, there there in the in the manger is the infant laid, who, uh, who of by whom the heavens and earth were made, or the virgin mother lulls to sleep him who rules the cosmic deep. You know, I mean, it, there there's nothing in the universe that God does not control. Uh, and 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 uh, you know it, it's it's like you know one time there was this uh, he uh, rabbi Jewish rabbi um, uh, who who uh, basically said you have to forgive God because he's not all powerful you know he didn't want to get give up the fact that uh, Job or he was a righteous man and and he didn't want to give up the fact that God is is love. But uh, he did. He said, well, the only way, you know, instead of getting rid of the idea that we are righteous before God uh, on our own, uh, he would say, well, God is not uh, all powerful. Imagine the chaos and the fear and the and the um, just the terrible situation it would be if people thought that God was out of control, that there was no control over this universe. And I love to put the proper wording into words that can be very misunderstood in our world today. So what does it mean to be upright can be a quite a task, whether it's in schools, whether it's in our individual homes, whether it's a government trying to determine this or culture or social media or whoever, we can look at these words and you become very misunderstood. 
But when we look at it in the sense of just, meaning that the Lord is right, you know, he's he's uh, he's he's serving the people. He's right in his righteousness, meaning perfect. He's upright, meaning he is above standard. Um, we see this about God, not in a worldly sense, because we can look around the world and look for justice and righteousness and uprightness. And we don't fully get a good picture. But when we realize that God is perfect and he reigns as king and we see throughout scripture how he does these things, he does it perfectly. And so that's why it's so important for us to make sure that God has the right language, not us. Um, that it is a God a- sense, not not the way the world tries to fight for justice, because it's kind of like a, a have or have not mentality. Um, that look at me, then therefore I'm better than you. And then we just kind of have a, a, a battle that always goes on. But with God, he is <laughs> righteous. He is just and he is upright. And so he, quote, makes the rules, but he does it with grace and love and care that we see in Christ. Anything else in those verses, Pastor? Yes. And and, and the thing is, is, is we see around us where the world calls righteousness evil and evil righteousness. Um, there was a, a scholar, Mull, uh, Mool, M-O-U-L-E, uh, was a, an interpreter of Scripture, that said the world is like a little shop in which uh, a wicked person, which of course we could say is a devil, uh, sneaks into the shop and changes the price tags on all of the um, the articles for sale. And he puts the um, uh, you know expensive prices on, on those things which are evil and, and bad, but then, then the uh, small prices on those things which are precious and, and good. And, and that's kind of the way we see it in the world. And when this, this kind of thing where you have people that are saying what is evil or what is sinful is good, then, then that's when you, you need to see, you know, they're on the wrong track. I need to turn to the Lord and his word. Well, let's keep turning to him as we learn more about him, verses 9 and 10. So it tells us who he is, and then it kind of gives us something to grab a hold of, I think, um, uh, that we, we understand what this means for us. Verses 9 and 10. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have, forsa- have not forsaken those who seek you. To me, I felt like verses 7 and 8 are hard to understand, but I felt like 9 and 10 leads us to something I feel like I can grab onto, literally, because like if I'm falling, if I have something strong to hold onto, I know I can stay upright. I see this in my own congregation where you have people who can barely walk, walking in with walkers, which, by the way, one of the greatest witnesses that I see of stronghold is that you'll have someone who has to be in a walker or hold someone's hand when they come up for communion. And they, they hold on to this other person because they know who their stronghold is, that they want to go up to the altar of the Lord and receive the body and blood of Christ. That's what I envision when I hear these words, is that they know who their stronghold is, and they're showing that they need something to be strong in order to get what the Lord has to give, who is their stronghold. Pastor, I feel like this is something you grab a hold of. What do you have on nine ten? Uh, the um, 
those the interpreters uh, point out that uh, David, of course, had had a lot of need for having a stronghold, especially mm-hmm. when his own king was uh, uh, going after him and attacking him. Uh, and you know, the time a time of unrest and a time of war. And so you know, it, it, so it's like he's speaking from experience. What's really powerful in these words is that the Lord. It says uh, in verse ten, uh, "O Lord, you have." Uh, you have not forsaken those who seek you. Uh, you know, even though maybe it seems as if uh, people are, you know, God's people are getting the shaft, you might say, uh, not are being uh, harmed by the world or, or being uh, unfairly dealt with, that God has not forsaken them. You know, even if, if a, uh, loving, a loved one who is a Christian has died, God has not forsaken them. He is the God of the living. Uh, he that that uh, person who has died is with Christ, which is far better, as the apostle says. So, as you look at this, I like how you said this about David. Is that it's clear that David needed a stronghold, and then that points us to the. And this is why David's so so wonderful that God chose David to write these psalms, is because it won't, we don't have to look very far to realize that he needed a stronghold, and then therefore we realize if he needed it, then we need it because he was blessed in faith. And we are blessed in faith, but yet clearly we are broken people. So, Pastor, anything else you wanted to highlight about the Lord being our stronghold before we keep plowing along? It's kind of as Lutherans, you know, we we really love Psalm 46. Uh, God is our refuge and strength of ever-present help in time of trouble. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, a mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. You know, that's that's kind of a, a hallmark of, of our faith in, in justification by grace through faith as as Lutheran believers. Well, let's keep moving forward then. 11 and 12. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. So once again, they're recounting wonderful deeds and reminding us of what we should do to sing praises to the Lord. And why should we sing praises? We, we should sing praises because he has saved us. He has rescued us from eternal damnation, and he continues to watch over and guide us. Um, and, and in this particular case, he's, he sits enthroned in Zion. Uh, you know, you you had a kind of the medieval understanding of uh, that there are like four ways in which you can look at scripture you know what does zion mean well it could be um, the city uh the capital of david's kingdom it can be uh the um uh heaven it could be uh the the human soul uh it could be the church uh you know and and and, and basically of course, as we know, the Bible has only one literal or God-intended sense or meaning. So, of course, it, it, it it's referring to uh, the, the city of God. And in the Psalms, too, they, they mention uh, Zion, you know, um, greatly God is praised because of in the city of our God his holy mountain beautiful for elevation the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion and the sides of the north the city of the great king God will establish it forever and and the idea here is is that God is present with his people with his church and Zion of course is is uh the church of God 
Um, and, and it also is the home of the church in heaven. And and so it is God who is is in you know is present with His people. Uh, you can and the, the idea here is of course that He's uh, present uh, with the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, it, it mentions uh, He is an avenger of blood. Now this was a a person who was a relative of someone who was killed in the Old Testament when there was not a a uh, very control uh, there was no government control and and so a relative of someone who was killed either uh you know maliciously or or by accident was someone that would uh, would um kind of uh try to avenge the the death and in this case of course it's God who is said to be the an avenger of blood it's similar to uh in in second chronicles where um the um you know at the time of king joash that uh jehoiada the high priest who was the holy uh, holy high priest his son zechariah was killed by joash and uh, when he was killed he says uh may the lord see and avenge uh so so in other words um uh you know there's the idea that god is going to um you know and, and in a good, positive, and God-pleasing way, um, make sure that those who harm his people are held accountable for doing that, for harming them. And he, and he says, he does not forget the cry of the afflicted, which is a reminder for us that, one, he hears our prayers, two, that not only our prayers, but those who are afflicted, and especially comforting, I think, I know, um, when we are afflicted, so it tells us so much about the Lord. Sing praise, but also realizing that we can come to him with our angst and our frustrations and our fears and everything else because he does not forget us. Any any last thoughts? We have to keep moving a little bit, but any last thoughts on, on those words? Yes. Uh, what's interesting, though, is even though, like, uh, the blood of Abel cries for vengeance— uh, the the blood of Jesus cries for mercy. Uh, uh, like um, Stephen, when he was stoned, he did not. Uh, he 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 had the opportunity to say, "Avenge me, O Lord," but he said, mm-hmm. "Lord Jesus, do not hold this against them." That that's the that's the power of uh, being a follower and a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he turns to praying once again. And so we're going to go 13 through 16. 13 through 16. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises. Then the gates of the daughter of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. So he pleads with the Lord, be gracious to me. So he comes back, not only to sing praises, but also to say, Lord, be gracious to me. What are these verses telling us? Well, uh, it's, it's very interesting. There's one of a constant theme that's returned to in the Psalms is how the wicked who uh, prepare traps for the uh, for God's people that they get caught in them themselves. I think if anybody uh, mm-hmm. watches uh, 
the Roadrunner and the Wiley Coyote know that, knows that the usually the Coyote is the one that gets caught in his own traps that he sets for the Roadrunner, and uh, it, it kind of like it, it, the situation here is that that uh, in, as as sort of a judgment upon those who harm God's people or lay traps for them, that they are ensnared in them themselves, and uh, that's that's kind of a warning to the wicked. And as we look at uh, this, it is um, a reminder once again that we come to the Lord and say, be gracious to me. Uh, we hear throughout the Bible where it says, you know, Lord, have mercy. We see this all throughout the Gospels that we say those things and it, we know that he hears us and that, 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 we, that when he hears us and gracious to us that we may continue to recount his praises, uh, that he has done all this. And then he shows of how evil never wins the day, for he is the one who wins the day. He's made himself known that when there's wickedness, he destroys it. And we ultimately see that now, but also into the future. We see it in Christ, and we see it when Christ returns. We will see it when Christ returns. So I love how he brings this all back to remind us that he's not just sitting on his throne kind of looking in judgment, but he's the one who's still working in our lives to make sure that wickedness does not have the final day. So, Pastor, before we move on, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on those verses? And, and it mentions uh, how he saves us from the gates of death. Um, you know, the gates of a city were where it was where business was transacted in ancient times. And as Christ says, um, that the gates of hell will, or gates of death, or the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church. And so th- this is kind of like, uh, you know, makes a rich, rich understanding of what our Lord Jesus said in saying that. And so it's very comforting. So let's move on, 17 and 18. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Now, Pastor, these are, once again, this is a proclamation of how God works. And it can be somewhat difficult to, to read, but also, I think, very comforting as well. How would you describe that tension we live in, the joy and the, and the, um, the grief that we feel with these words? Well, it, it's like the fact that uh, because of sin in the world, there has to be death. And death, of course, is a separation. Physical death is a separation of our souls from our bodies. Spiritual death, of course, is how what we're born into in the world, that we're, our soul and our body are separated from God. And that eternal death is separation, uh, eternal separation of our soul and body from God. And, and it's a warning to the wicked that, um, you know, they, they will be... Um, they will suffer death, uh, an eternal, possible eternal death. And it, it mentions return to Sheol. Sheol is like the grave or, or, def, or being defeat or to, to hell. And, um, and that, of course, is, is uh, we're comforted by the fact that God will not uh, allow us to be claimed by hell, but that he will r- rescue us and bring us to everlasting life. And it, it, you know, it reminds me of when Jesus does Sermon on the Mount, you know, just under the idea of blessed are the poor in spirit. And we don't want to go too far with trying to spiritualize everything in these Psalms, but it, it does remind us that if he is there for the poor, and he's going to be there for us when we realize what we really are, which is poor in spirit, 
um, needy individuals. As you said, the the Lord is a stronghold. Well, if we're already strong, then why would we need the Lord? And so I find a lot of comfort in him speaking about the reality of who we all are and what we are. And, and, and that includes others. So we are no better than the poor. We're no, long, no better than the homeless. We are no better than the needy that need help because we all need that help. And so he's really laying the groundwork to saying we're all on the same level here for we all need a stronghold. And, and that's I feel like I'm going back and forth in the psalm a lot in prayer, which is why I think it's important for us to pray the psalms because a lot of times in my prayer, my own personal prayer, I will not say that I'm poor. Because I just like to overlook that. I, I will say I'm not needy. I don't necessarily say, oh, I have poor, miserable sinner. This is why we have it written out in our confession absolution. But here, it's very clear that David is at a point where he needs to recount those deeds. And he gives us the words that we need to say, that I am indeed poor, that I am indeed needy, and the Lord is my stronghold. What are your thoughts before we get to the last two verses? Well, what what's uh, joy is in in uh, the divine service. I think uh, this past Sunday uh, it was uh, from James, and James says, mm-hmm. you know, like we're people, you know, looking down upon the poor and and considering the rich uh, oh, as yes. being more important yeah. than the poor. And 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 James asks this question, which is so powerful: Has not God chosen the poor to be rich in faith? You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, you basically if you find the poor. You know, you ought to be around them because they are rich in faith. And and in, in this case, uh, you know, I um, this is a beautiful passage where the needy shall not always be forgotten. Uh, the hope or the expectation of the poor will not perish forever. And 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 that's uh, very pow- powerful words. And I'll share this for a moment, and we don't want to go too far with trying to act like, well, the poor have better faith than anybody else. But it's amazing, I'll say this, it's amazing how to see how God gives faith to a lot of times the unexpected. And so a couple years ago, our church went to Cincinnati, where at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church works almost explicitly with the homeless. And there were a number of people that I met who had nothing. Um, they They were sick, they were disabled, they had nothing. And when they found out that I was a pastor and that that I was part of a church, they couldn't stop telling me about Jesus. They said, oh, Jesus is so good to me. Jesus does this for me. Jesus does that for me. And you sit there and you hear this, and it relates to exactly what happens in this psalm and exactly what we see throughout the scriptures is that it is not a matter of, okay, therefore you have to become poor in order to love Jesus, but it's good for us to be able to say, recount the wonderful deeds of our Lord, that even those who have nothing can still give praises to the Lord. And then therefore, for us, who literally have nothing when it comes down to our relationship with the Lord, we should therefore give thanks as well. So, Pastor, I want to read these last two verses and get your final thoughts on this wonderful psalm, 19 and 20. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. So I love the language. Arise, O Lord. How many times do we have to ask the Lord? Lord, arise, be there, help me now. And then he says, basically, may we always know that we are just but mere men and you are God. What? How does he end this wonderful psalm? Well, he and the Lord invites us to kind of say, rise up, O Lord. You know, I mean, uh, you know, where, where we see something that's, that's uh, 
terribly wrong. Uh, you know, we're saying, uh, Lord, uh, you know, I'm really concerned about this. I pray that you're concerned about it as well. And and in the, it, it, I think it's important for us, as you know, in in ancient Roman times, uh, the when there was a triumph that came into the city of Rome, there was a slave that was behind the victorious um, uh, general that was or or emperor that was was being honored, and he, he says, "Remember that you are only a man," in whispering that in his ear. So so it's it's kind of like um, uh, you know th- this is sort of like maybe something that the ancient Romans knew uh, when they had that practice where where there was that that uh, a, a slave that whispered in the ear of the great conqueror you know all uh, life is fleeting and and glory the glory of the world is and you are only human <laughs> and and we are only human <laughs> but so, uh, uh, the lord <laughs> is the one who is our our strength and who saves us. Well, Pastor, that is our time. Pastor David Boyce-Claire of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word for prayer from Psalm 9. Pastor Boyce-Claire, thank you again for the gifts. It's it's such a pleasure, and, and God gives his gifts. Saints of our Lord, keep praying. Psalm 9 is your prayer. The Lord is your stronghold. He has not forsaken you. He is enthroned forever. He has established the throne of justice. So what we should do is sing praises. I would encourage you once again to watch White Christmas and hear Bing Crosby be able to sing this word, count your blessings instead of sheep. It's a great reminder, but do not end there. Go to Psalm 9, go to the Psalms and give thanks, sing praises. And we ask the Lord once again to arise for he is the one that is God and we are but mere men. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.